So I love sports. I don't probably watch as much on television as I used to when I was younger, but I, I really enjoy watching a good game. I like watching the Olympics, uh, even sports that I may not be as interested in. If I know there's an incredibly good competition, a fight, soccer match, basketball game, football game, I want to watch it. And we've had several really good ones lately, Yankees and uh, Red Sox earlier this week in uh, kind of the wild card playoff. But Thursday night was a matchup that was going to be really good between the Seahawks and the Rams. Sorry, Scott. I'm going to bring this up here. <laughs> Scott is diehard Seattle Seahawks fan, and they got great fans up there, incredible team, probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Russell Wilson. I'm sorry for those of you that are not into sports, you'll have to endure me a little bit on this, but so they're going to play the Rams, who are on a roll, and have a new quarterback they got from Detroit, Matthew Stafford, who's just really a really good quarterback. So you have great coaches, fan base, teams, all matched up for Thursday night, and I'm hoping I don't have anything else going on to be able to watch the game. And so your game's going really well, and both quarterbacks had injuries, and on the, with their fingers. And Matthew Stafford, I think that was first that he had his, his knuckle in the middle and later on found out it was dislocated and he popped it back in. And then Russell Wilson was uh, throwing a pass and hit a defensive lineman, probably hit his helmet or something, and he looks at his hand and this knuckle on his middle finger went straight down. He's just holding it up like this. And I said, I, I had a high school friend that could do that. <laughs> it's like he had this trick finger. <clears throat> but this wasn't a trick. His, his knuckle, the very last knuckle of his middle finger was dislocated. I know you're feeling really sorry for this multi-million dollar athlete here. But he, he's holding this. And, and the commentator says, he's going to have to come out. Well... When you're thinking about this, he, he has played, started 149 consecutive games in the NFL, which is pretty incredible, and had injuries much more, you would think, much more significant than this knuckle. But this little knuckle got him out of the game, and surgery followed, and what is it, four to, four to eight weeks, six weeks? Scott will know on this. And, and so you're thinking, you've got thousands of fans in the stands. You've got many more thousands of fans watching on television. You've got an entire team that is prepared. All of their plays, they've been working out, they've been dressed, they've been fit, they've been working together, and you've got a knuckle. Is that how they come with knucklehead? I don't know if I You've got one little knuckle. And I'm sure it probably cost them the game. And I'm not sure what it'll do to the season. And, and you stop and think, a little tendon that you can't see on a very small part of the body is going to have that kind of impact upon so many people. I mean, because if you're living in Seattle, it's already cloudy. 
Um, <laughs> but you know what it's like when the Broncos lose here. It's just kind of like everything is just, it, it, it was like that when we lived in Wisconsin. When Green Bay lost, it was like the whole state was in a state of depression. Well, this imagery, this picture of a body, how the body functions is exactly what Paul is using here to make a point of how we as a group of believers, a family, you know, we use the word church. Um, I don't really like that word. It's a Germanic word. It's not really, um, it kind of evolved over time. Church, we immediately think of a building, a place, a location. But the, the concept of the ecclesia, the, the word used here, is a gathering of people, community. It is more like family. And what he uses here is this picture of a body. Paul will use metaphors like this, uh, like a building or a field. A lot of times he'll look at the Christian life as an athlete or a soldier, a farmer, that sort of thing. So this is a picture. So we have a living, breathing illustration, which I like pictures. <laughs> and I hope this is helpful to you because we're going to look at how we function individually, like the knuckle, is <laughs> a part of the body, but how the knuckle is doing affects the whole body, just like a player on the team affects the whole team, a member of your family affects the entire family. So when we look at this, we're going to really look at just two points today, so you're, <laughs> you're in good shape. Uh, one, our identity as a body. And secondly, our functionality. How, how do we function and live out of who we are? And that, it's important that we always look at it in that order. First, who we are, and then we function out of who we are. So let's look here first at our identity as a body. Who are we? <laughs> in verse 12, he, Paul says this, The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. So many parts, one body. And he's talking about the, he uses the word members. And we talk about members of the church. Um, that's kind of an interesting word too. He's talking about members of the body. We're going to talk about members of the church. And I think there are two ways we really see this. The body is called the body of Christ or the community of believers, the family of God, the church. And, and we see it really in Scripture in, in two different lights. One we will call the universal church and one we will call the local church. So the local church is us. It's we, we know each other, we see each other, we have relationship. Uh, you come walking in, you grab your coffee and your donut, we're talking to you, we, we communicate during the week, we help each other. This is something visible. And the universal church is all believers everywhere for all time in the world. Uh, some people call that the invisible church. That's kind of a spooky, <laughs> weird way to call the invisible church. But, you know, this is a Lord's Day Sunday, and we know that... People are meeting all around the world. All around the world, they're gathering together to worship, right? And uh, many different languages and places and people. Some are, some are doing it secretly because they don't have the freedom to worship. And so it's everybody in the world 
who is a believer in Jesus, who has put their faith and trust in Christ as personal Savior. So when do you become a member of the church, the, the big picture church, when you put your faith and trust in Christ as your personal Savior? And everybody has to do that on their own. It's not something you're born into. Um, you're born again, so to speak, as Jesus uses that terminology, is when I realize that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and I make that personal decision. You become a member of the body of Christ. But it functions in local settings. And so this is kind of what he's talking to this one, particularly in Greece, in the first century, a specific group of people and, and working with them. So it's good to understand that. When Christ said, uh, I'll build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's, he's speaking of everyone. And then what Paul is talking about, particularly in chapter 11, through or through, is this, this group, this group, this group of people here. So this body has unity. It has common unity. That's where we get community. Okay, so I kind of laugh when I think of valley community. We, we have common, what we have in common, we have unity in, valley community. What does church mean? Community. So it's kind of like valley church, church, <laughs> or valley community, community. But you get the concept is that what, what we have in common, what brings us together? What brings us together on Sunday? It's what we have in common. And what we have in common, of course, is Christ. We are... And, and just a few things that we have in common. We're all created by God. Now, that would include other people, too. Um, we're all valued by God. You bear his image. So every one of us were created in the image of God. We're loved by God. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And we're purposed by God. In other words, God has a will for our lives. So we come together acknowledging him, his, his son that he sent for us, his word that he gives us, our access in prayer, and these essential parts of the faith. And so that's what ties us into his family. And we're also part of something bigger than just me. Um, you know, we hear that saying, you know, this isn't all about you. <laughs> Uh, we'll joke around because we can kind of tend to get in our own little world. Uh, and it's not all about you. There's a bigger picture. And, and, I, and I feel that a lot of times when we get into a very uh, low spot in life and a very discouraged time of life is we fail to see that God is working in many other ways than just what I see. And so as a group... This, this body, I'm part, not just my life, it's not just Matt, it's, it's, it's this body and the larger picture of what Christ is doing. And we have this in common. We have Christ as our head. We also have the Holy Spirit. He uses this word, we've all been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, baptized is an interesting word. It's uh, really transliterated from the Greek. Uh, the Greek word is baptizo, and so they just kind of made an English word sound like the Greek word, um, which means literally to be placed into or to be immersed into something. So all of us have been immersed into the Holy Spirit. So he's, Christ is our Savior, our head. 
We've all been immersed together in his spirit. We have the same faith. We, we believe the same basic, we have the same basic um, the content of core beliefs. We also have the same resources. Every one of us have God's word. We have his spirit. Uh, we have access to prayer. We have one another to encourage one another. Here's what else we have in common. We're all going to end up in the same place. Is that exciting or what? <laughs> well, that depends on where you plan to go. <laughs> so I'm not worried about some of you here. <laughs> well, if I, if I put, I'm going to just tell you this. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have a guarantee you'll be in heaven for eternity. Can I hear an amen? amen. Okay. All right. Now, if you have a worried look on your face, we can talk later. All you have to do is believe. It's not by works. It's not by church attendance. It's not by giving your money. It's not by anything but just simple faith, like a little child. And no matter how bad your day is, that's our future. I mean, you start to think about that no matter how bad it gets. I mean, on the worst day, you die and you're with Christ in perfection forever. That's just, a, to me, I think we need to remind ourselves of that. We also have something else in common. We have a common enemy. We have a common enemy. I know you're thinking, you know my mother-in-law? No, I don't know your mother-in-law. <laughs> we have a common enemy. It's not your husband. It's not your boss. It's not your neighbor. The common enemy is Satan. And you got to remind ourselves of that too. Because otherwise we start looking at each other as enemy. Or we're looking at other people that God loves and wants to save as enemy. So we have so much in common. And this is why we call it church. We have community. The body also has diversity. So just as much as we have unity about these common things, every single one of us is unique. In fact, when we read through this, you notice how it said, designed by God and placed by God in the body with a specific purpose. You're different. I'm different. Some people, you notice their differences more. <laughs> Than you do others, but we are all different. And from verse 14 to verse 26 in what I read, and, and you see that, that, that every single person has value, has worth, and has purpose. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times when I feel like I'm not worth much. I don't feel, I, you get discouraged, you, you get the wrong kind of thinking going on in your head and you wonder if you're even important anymore important to God or to anyone else and I think that that this is one of the most important things for us to teach to our children is your value and your worth is not based on what you do your value and worth is based on who you are child of God, loved by God, 
called by God for a specific purpose. That's your value. We don't need, like the, the world needs to kind of get their head around self-love, which I never could get into the hugging myself. <laughs> Something just didn't feel real good about that. If I start to establish my value by looking in the mirror and thinking, you know what, I, 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 I'm a pretty good guy. You know what, I, I, I'm pretty good looking. I, you know what, I've got some special talents. You know what, I can try and talk myself into that all I want. And at the end of the day, I'm not convinced. It, it, it does not work. My value is I've been made in the image of God, created by him. I've been loved by him. I'm known by him. And he has a purpose for my life. And I fit into this body. You say, well, I'm not, I, I mean, I'm not even that important. I'm like the, the knuckle on the little toe. Well, just wait till that goes out. <laughs> you think of the smallest things that can ruin your day, like something in your eye, or a splinter in your finger, or a lot of the things we can't even see, but we feel. And that's, and that's the point that he's making. Every single part is important. And, and you don't, even think about it until something's going wrong, <laughs> right? You know, I remember the time that the, the doctor was telling me that my islet cells in my pancreas no longer functioned. My, my response was, what's an islet cell? I have no idea what an islet cell is. Maybe you don't either. But islet cells actually produce insulin, which makes your body take the food and produce energy so that you can live. And so if, if, if you don't have functioning islet cells, you'll probably die in a week. Now you go from <clears throat> never even heard of that to if you don't take insulin, you're going to die in a week. Such a little microscopic Never even knew it existed. I doubt that Russell Wilson felt much about that, that, or that knuckle, that middle finger knuckle. Until it's dislocated. Then the entire body is impacted. So every part, which I think the beauty of this, God created every part with purpose and placed it exactly where it pleased him. You notice how, too, he says, now be careful. You don't start <clears throat> valuing some more than others. And to me, one of the, the amazing things is that there's such an incredible variety. He, you know, he lists, in, in this, their culture, we don't have slaves in our normal culture here in the U.S. right now. I mean, we've, <laughs> we've certainly had our history with it. Uh, which is which is not good, but all, all through history. But but here you had people that were free and slaves, Jews and Gentiles, all together worshiping together. And this is this is the thing that the the church will do is it transcends uh, race and ethnicity and language and age groups. It it transcends all of that. 
That's just amazing. There, there is nothing like it in the world, how the church is put together. And, and the unifying part is, of course, Christ. But here's the danger. We talked about there are some prophets and apostles and teachers and those gifts of helps, all of these that we talked about last week. Everyone has a role. They have a, a, a place that they fit and serve, some with help, some with words of encouragement, some with teaching. And when everyone is investing in the whole, the entire family is built up and encouraged. And what he's saying is you be really careful. You start, you don't say, well, I do this. And, th and particularly here, it was those that were speaking in unknown languages, interpreting the prophetic gifts, you know, the, the, the more visible ones, the more visible ones. Don't start thinking too much of yourself <laughs> because everything, remember this, everything you have is given to you by God. This isn't about you. And you are not more important. That's really his point. And I think that what, what happens is, you know, you take you know, the whole football illustration. Remember listening to some of these linemen talk one time is, you know, the quarterback's always complaining about, you guys aren't blocking for me, you're not blocking for me, and kind of demeaning these linemen. They decided next play, they're just letting everyone through. <laughs> you, start to, you start to value the linemen, you notice that uh, probably the, the highest IQ of all the players on the team are usually the, the offensive linemen, those big guys that your number's only called when you've been holding. <laughs> but every single part is important. And if we start to compare, we get ourselves into trouble. What are some ways that we tend to compare ourselves today? Social media. You know, and I'm not, I don't want to get on a sidetrack rant here um, because I, I'm on social media, and, um, but I, I wrestle with it. I wrestle with it. You know, I'll do a post every Monday on a verse of the week and that sort of thing, but I think, I think it, it produces more self-focus, self-promotion, more discouragement, more comparison with others, and more false reality than anything else. Um, I think it's killing our kids. And the problem is their parents are on it just as much as the kids, always checking, always checking, always. Just. So, so what you have is you have, you have people portraying themselves the way they want to be portrayed. It's like we, we joke about Photoshop. I mean, sometimes I'll see someone's picture and I'll say, I saw them yesterday. They do not look that, that like that. That... <laughs> That is not, but then part of me says, you know, I could kind of do some of that too. I mean, I could, I could look a lot better, <laughs> little hair, um, a little thinner. Um, but it, we, we, we project a false reality. Why? We're comparing. We're comparing. What are they doing? What am I doing? What are you doing? And it gets to be talking about, you know, and just, and I'm not, I'm not saying every selfie is wrong, but, you know, it's, it's a selfie, selfie, selfie. All this way. And I think we, we then take that and we say, how do, I, how do I fit? How do I fit? Do you know there are some just basic instinctive things? I was reading a, a book on psychology that everybody is in a kind of a self-preservation mode that everywhere you go, you, 
You're concerned about safety, um, protection, survival, how you fit, um, how you rank with others. When I was in high school, I used to be the wrangler for a camp, so I took care of horses and took people on trail rides, and so I'd spent a lot of time from 11 years old up through college with horses. And so we would sell horses, buy horses, go to the auction. This is a fun thing as a kid. But I remember when we would, whatever we'd buy a couple horses and bring them back to the herd, we'd have like 20, 20 horses. You know, we'd go get a Coke and we'd sit and watch. Because you have 20 horses, you bring two or three new ones in, what's going to happen? I mean, they're, they're going to start moving around and, and they're going to figure out, everybody's going to figure out where they rank. Because I can tell you that from number one to number 20 is they fit in a social order. And everything they do will fit into that. Watch that with, with the elk, you know, you, you know the bull elks and, and, and the, during the rut and all that sort, sort of thing. And, but we, we can't be doing that as believers Trying to, to think, you know what, I, I have more value or you have less value or what do you think of me? My worth is in Christ. My worth has been established by God. My worth has been given to me by his working in my life. And that's satisfying to me. It's not by what I do. I'll tell you what, folks, I, I believe this for a long time. Every day is still hard for me to live it. Because I still tend to want to measure how I look, what I do, to determine how I feel, rather than what God has said in his word. So let's, let's transition to the second point. We go from our, our identity to our functionality. In fact, I didn't even look up if that's a word. <laughs> but I can make them up. How do we function? Well, you should function out of who you are, the functionality of the body. And, and here's something so, so critically important. We have vertical and horizontal. I have a vertical relationship with God. I have a horizontal relationship with you. If this isn't right, this will never be right. That's probably the most important thing I've said to this point. If this isn't right, none of this will be right. When you're not walking with God in a right relationship, you're, you're going to mess up every other relationship you're involved in. That's why I say it's so critical to begin your day in God's word and in prayer. To commit your day to the Lord, to worship him. I'm not saying you've got to spend five hours doing that. I'm saying, but acknowledge his lordship, seek his word, obey his word, ask for his help. And keep that relationship right. When you sin, confess it. <laughs> Make it right. But, but if I'm not right with God, I can't be right with Diane. I can't be right with my kids. I can't be right with my neighbors. I may be able to do the superficial thing. I may Photoshop my life. It's not going to work. 
So, first vertical. And this is what he says in verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So, I must function under the head, which is Christ. He is... He loves me, he died for me, but he's also my authority. Christ is my authority. And he expresses all his will in his word to me. And so when that's right, then we go to verses 25 to 26. Let me read these because it, he uses the word in here, harmony. I have harmony, I can only have harmony here if I have harmony here. Here's what he says. He says, this makes for, for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. So it's like one part of the body, that joint, <laughs> when that part suffers, the whole body suffers. You got a blister on your heel, the whole body suffers. You have a knee that's causing you pain, a bad back, bad neck. I could go on and on. We've got lots of examples. <laughs> when one part of the body suffers, the entire body suffers. When one part rejoices, the entire body and I was trying to think of how do you how do you have really rejoices? Well, I'm thinking of a dark chocolate and a cup of coffee would make my whole body rejoice. <laughs> you see where my mind goes sometimes when I have, I'm studying too long? <laughs> but I think we probably feel it. But, you know, through pain, we all, we all carry the same pains. When someone's hurting, we all feel it. When someone's celebrating an answer to prayer or God doing something, we all celebrate. This is what we do together. In the unity that comes under Christ and from Christ with the diversity that we begin to appreciate that knuckle or that ankle or that heel or that ear or that eye or that eyelet cell that no one's even heard of. And, and to realize that without every part, we don't function in a healthy way. So we value one another and we also do our part. I think that's the, the submitted to Christ above all. We do our part and we value one another. And that brings unity. I think as I look at current trends, we do in our culture have a, a tendency to go toward individuality. I think this is the way our country is, our nation is, is to be, you know, individual. Most of the time that Paul uses the word you, he is speaking y'all, not you all about me. We tend to read the scriptures and think, he's talking to me, he's and he is, he is. It's not like he's not talking to you, but he's, he's speaking to you in community. He's speaking to you in your marriage. He's speaking to you in your kids. He's speaking to you in this group. We need to understand that. That's how, that's how Oriental culture or Eastern culture would think, much of the world thinks. This is the way this book is written, is more y'all. So it's still important you understand this affects me personally, but as a group. So current trends we find in the church members is dividing over lesser things. 
You know, I've never heard of a church dividing over salvation is by faith alone or the virgin birth or the resurrection. Usually when you hear a church divided, it's over something like the carpet or they didn't like some activity or, you know, it, it's like all these lesser things. Remember we talked about um, and things that really matter, we have complete community. And the things that are lesser important, we, we, we show deference to one another. We have Christian liberty, but in all things charity. And even today, what's unique too, um, when I think back to the church in Corinth, there's one church in Corinth. So here's the problem. If you don't like the pastor, there's no other place to go. If you don't like the music, there's no other place to go. I said, man, that'd be really rough to live in Corinth. I mean, you got to go to that church. Say, we don't, you know, we don't like the youth group. We don't like the nursery. We don't like the building. So most, in most places in this first century, you go to Ephesus, there's one church. You go to Colossae, there's one church. You go to Corinth, there's one church. So you got to work it out. Now, I'm thankful for many churches, but, but what that has done is it, it, it feeds a consumerism. You know, let's go check this out. Let's go check this. And, and it's all about, I love the music. I love the speaker. I love the youth group. I love this. I love this. Folks, most churches around the world today, the average size, the average church in, in the world is less than 80 people. So our little group is well over that, <laughs> okay? So you're not going to have everything with 80 people. You know, a full-blown graded Sunday school. You're not going to have, you know, now we've got a pretty good music team, I would say. Um, you're not going to have everything. So when we keep trying to compete and compare to, we're going to have this because we get more people. We can do this. We can have more people. Rather than functioning in a healthy way. This is the danger we get into. My focus, I think, and, I, and I, my prayer is this, is that Valley Community Church be a healthy church. Be healthy. And if it's healthy, it's going to grow. It'll grow the way God will have it grow. Um, I, I don't control that. He, here's what he said to me, and he said to you, you go make disciples. You go share the word, you go make disciples, and Christ said, I will build my church. He didn't say, okay, Matt, go build my church. <laughs> he didn't. But corporate America is building organizations rather than making disciples. To me, the focus needs to be on people. Now, I probably got a little bit of a rant on that, but... What are needed trends? I think we see the trends today. And I'm not against megachurches. I'm not against big organizations. You know, praise God for that. But you don't have to have that to have a healthy church. You don't have to have that. Because there's so many churches around the world that are very healthy that have very little. Maybe just a handful of people. So what are the needed trends? And I would say attitudes. Three of these, and you can just write these down if you're taking notes. 
The first one is the attitude of submission. We really can't have unity unless there is submission. It's kind of like a nasty word. People don't even like to talk about being submitted, but it's all through the New Testament. Learning to be submitted, first of all, to Christ. As I said, submitted to God, to Christ, to His Word, to obedience, to everything. That's where we start. Secondly, be submitted to leadership in the church. And you say, well, what if the pastor goes off the rails or a pastor's elders go off the rails? Has that happened before? Okay, healthy churches deal with it. They don't ignore it. They deal with it in a biblical and a loving way. So church, church can handle that sort of thing. But you submit to leadership, to oversight, and then that's harder though, isn't it? When you say, I'll, I'll submit to God, but I'm not submitting to you because Leaders have imperfections that we like to point out. Well, the third one's even harder. <laughs> okay, submit to Christ, submit to leadership of the church, and then submit to one another. Oh, brother. <laughs> submit to one another. This is really the spirit and the tone and the attitude of the church, is I put your interests ahead of my own. That's how you have a right spirit. So, submission. Second word is sensitivity. Now, the body naturally has sensitivity. Ouch, I hurt that. My finger's out of joint. Oh, I've got a blister on my heel. A lot of times, we're just oblivious to the pain going on in our church. People that, that are hurting. You walk in, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You walk out, and I'm not doing great. I don't think they're doing great. <laughs> it's sensitivity to those who are weak, struggling. Sensitivity to those who are injured or hurting. Sensitivity to those who have gone rogue. You know, there are some conditions in the body where your, your body just starts doing things that you weren't planning on it doing. You know, you heard like Tourette's syndrome and others, you know, you, that it's, it's like my, my body's not doing that. Diane will laugh at me. We'll go for a walk once in a while. I'll just be kind of having a leisurely walk with Diane. And um, all of a sudden, my knee goes. <laughs> I just got so relaxed, my knee goes out. Now, if I'm concentrating, I don't have trouble with that. But, but uh, my knee goes out. <laughs> it's like, how did that happen? Well, if someone's weak, they're hurting, they've gone rogue, um, you go after them. There are those that are slowly drifting away. And we don't let that happen. So we have more sensitivity. And then finally, service. So submission, sensitivity, submission to Christ, to leadership God puts in our lives, oversight to one another, sensitivity to all the needs that are in this body, and then finally, service. We're working together for one another. We're working together for the common good. We're working together as a unit, as a team, for the good of everyone and for God's glory. So here's the question I want to end with. Those submission, sensitivity, and service. What drives all that? What, what moves all that forward? It's the last verse. I'll show you a more excellent way. It's love. We're going to get into chapter 13 and we're going to kind of slow things down and I'm going to take 
more time in chapter 13. If there's, there's one chapter I'd love to see you memorize, be chapter 13. Because this is at the heart of the gospel. How can I learn to submit to God, submit to others, submit that way? How can I learn to be sensitive to those around me? How can I serve like this? Love. Love. And we have the great example of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to do that, to love one another. And this is what really makes the church, the community, unique in this world. This is what really defines us. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the challenge that Paul gives to Corinth and also to us because we see all the applications so relevant in the way that we live. I pray, dear Lord, that we would see that our value and our worth and our identity is rooted in you and not in everything else in this world and that out of that identity that we function of who we are. Lord, I pray that you would help us to function well as a body of believers here at Valley and that you would teach us to have all of that driven by love. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.